Guys, we are back. It's the Blue Bloods bringing you guys another loaded episode full of college football content. We start the episode by talking about which school deserves the title of RBU. And then we debate which coach deserves the distinction as the greatest college football coach of all time. We then speculate and debate about the biggest what-if moments in college football history, and we wrap it all up by giving our take on which wide receivers actually deserve to be taken with a first-round pick and which players are just completely overrated. It's about that time, so let's kick it off. So as we covered last episode, you know, ESPN released their rankings for position U for every position since the start of the BCS era, which is about 1998, 1999. Um, you know, we ranked quarterback U and it was a little controversial. Brandon, you know, doesn't know what he's talking about. You know, he realized okay. that Sam Darnold was not that good. Uh, <laughs> so in our second installment of our rankings, we're going to stick with, you know, offense today and Debate who is running back you. ESPN, I don't know why, ranked Alabama as running back university, followed by Wisconsin, LSU, Oklahoma, and Miami. And, you know, just to reiterate the rules for everyone who might not have heard the last episode, you can only take into account players from 1999 until this past year when deciding which team deserves this, you know, honor. So, Brandon, I'll let you start again, man. Which school is running back you and why? I'll be honest with you, man. Um, I, I I cannot disagree with this list anymore. Alabama certainly doesn't deserve to be at the top of this list. Um, but I did agree with one part, and that's that they had Wisconsin at number two. They should have had them at number one. Wisconsin, I mean, when you think about this school, what do you think of? You think of immaculate running backs, and you think of incredible offensive lines, right? Right. So – I was answering for everybody out there, by the way, uh, in case you were wondering what was going on right there. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, I mean, I could go through the list of, of Wisconsin running backs, and, I mean, I just probably wouldn't stop for half an hour. Uh, and that, that list is topped off by, most recently, Jonathan Taylor, who Zach listed on his all-decade team as the best running back in the past decade over people like Saquon Barkley. And while I don't think that is necessarily true, um, I do think that Wisconsin has just – I mean, a stable of running backs. I mean, Ron Day, uh, Melvin Gordon, Monty Ball, uh, just to name a few. Um, just running backs who did their thing in college and then went on and didn't stop there, but they went and did their thing in the league. Um, and so, I mean, to me, it wasn't even up for debate. Wisconsin is running back you. Yeah, I mean, literally, I mean, in case you guys don't know, Ron Dane – uh, who played from 96 to 99. So he just makes the cut by one year. Uh, actually leads to NCAA in career rushing yards with over 7,000. Second yeah, place is good. at 6,500. And that's Tony Dorsett from Pitt. Uh, Jonathan Taylor is six on the list. So, I mean, I don't think you can go wrong with a school that had two top six running backs uh, ever. 
that's pretty tough. And then, you know, you mentioned Monty Ball. He's in the top 20. So three running backs from this, you know, decade, from this debate, I guess the past two decades, are in the top 20 in rushing yards. That's, uh, you know, I might have to give you this one, but, you know, I I need, I'm in grad school right now, as most of you guys who listen know. I need to talk to the statistician who ran these stats because I'm upset. I'm sure Brandon's upset too because I know he would have this team on his list. All these schools on the list did have solid running backs. So Wisconsin, great job. Miami, Alabama all have legendary running backs. But how did my pick for RBU not even make the list, guys? Um, oh, so before man. I give you all my team, Brandon, I'm going to give you two comparisons. We got player versus player A versus player B, player C versus player D. So okay. I'm going to tell you some stats. I want to I want you to tell me which school these stats represent and which player from that school it represents. So for player A, we have 3,500 rushing yards, six yards per carry, 42 touchdowns, but this player only had one season over 1,000 yards rushing. Player okay. B had 4,700 yards rushing in, in his career, 6.3 yards per carry, 44 touchdowns, and three seasons over 1,000 yards rushing. Which player are you taking? Uh, player B, and it's not close. Not not even close, right? Um, yeah. Do you know who player A was, Brandon? No idea. Derek Henry from Alabama. Okay, here we go. So you just you just took another player who, by the way, did not win a Heisman Trophy and didn't even start for his team all three years over a Heisman Trophy winner who apparently ESPN is hanging their hat on Alabama being RBU. That player B, Brandon, was Nick Chubb. Okay, like Nick Chubb, from, great player. From Georgia. I outed myself, guys. I'm picking Georgia as RBU. I mean, I, I just gave Nick Chubb, who arguably isn't even the top running back from Georgia in the past decade, and he's better than probably the best running back that Alabama's produced. So we're going to have another comparison, Brandon. One's going to be from Alabama. One's going to be from Georgia. So first we got player C. 3,500 yards rushing, only 4.9 yards per carry, 41 touchdowns, two seasons over 1,000 yards rushing. That's respectable. I'll take it. Um, Player D had 3,600 yards rushing with a whopping 6.1 yards per carry. They had less less touchdowns with 33, but they also had two seasons over 1,000 yards rushing. Which player are you taking? That one's tough. Um, That was a lot of players. You're wanting me to say player D. I'm gonna have to go with player A on this, or player C on this one. I've also can't even get the letters right, my guy. Well, you just you just took you just took Sean Alexander in college over Sony Michelle. Sean Alexander, I listen, I would do it again. (laughs) What a stud. What a stud in college. I I don't think I mean I this is a lot closer comparison. I'm still taking Sony Michelle. Sony Michelle played less full seasons than Sean Alexander had more yards rushing. And if you add the receiving touchdowns in Sonny Michelle beats him in touchdowns. I just, I don't see how Alabama beats Georgia in this list. And how was Georgia not even on the list? I still want to focus on that. I mean, I'm, yeah. I, Brandon has already labeled me the biggest Auburn fan of all time. Uh, how was Auburn 10 and Georgia's not even on the list? <laughs> Listen, when I saw that Auburn was number 10 on this list, I laughed. I won't lie to you. I laughed. Um, 
I, I mean, mean it they, wasn't they, only them. They, it, they it have was, it was other schools too. Yeah, they have good options. I mean, you had you had Carno Williams, Ronnie Brown, Trey Mason, Carryon Johnson, et cetera, et cetera. But man, I mean, the fact that Georgia's not on this list makes this a fireable offense to me. Whoever made this right. list, ESPN needs to cut the contract. Come sign me. I will make sure this does not happen again. Brandon, I'm going to list some running backs that rushed for over 1,000 yards in this time period that we just listed out here, which was the BCS. You have Nick Chubb. You, you like Nick Chubb, right? You would take Nick Chubb. on. You're an LSU fan. You would take Nick Chubb at LSU. Oh, yeah. Not even close. You, you would take Sonny Michelle. Yes, for sure. You you would take DeAndre Swift. Uh, yeah, duh. Yeah. Um, how about Noshawn Marino? People forget he was the best running back in the SEC from 06 to 07 and before his you know college career got ended a little bit short. You also got Thomas Brown, who had multiple 1,000-yard seasons. Elijah Holyfield, who is in the NFL now. You also have Keith Marshall, who was led the SEC in rushing as a freshman before, you know, some things happen and the list goes on and on. Like, like Brandon said with Wisconsin, I can spend all day here telling you guys the Georgia running backs that deserve to be here. Georgia also was the school that had the most running back starters in the NFL last year. Yeah. And they're not running back. You I'm, I, I don't understand. I mean, so Georgia's had a thousand yard rusher every single year since 2014. And that streak was ended like that streak, you know, didn't start sooner because Todd Gurley tore his ACL 10, 10, 10 games until the season and was 40 yards away from rushing for a thousand yards. Yeah. Very. I mean, that's horrible, man. I mean, and so the reason I'm picking Georgia over, you know, Alabama or Wisconsin or some of these other schools is I don't think there's a school that was as deep as Georgia at, was with their talent and ability. I mean, I just can't that whole list from Nick Chubb to Keith Marshall is just elite running backs. And a lot of these players were at Georgia at the same time. So their stats were even hindered because Nick Chubb and Sony Michelle were on the same team sharing the same amount of carries. And that's not even including DeAndre Swift, who is the third string running back. Right. Uh, that's just, outrageous guys and let, let me let me say this i listed my top five alabama and wisconsin are two and three for me let's not discount the the great talent of running backs alabama and wisconsin has had i just don't see how you can pick alabama over georgia when the two top players from those schools you're picking you're, you're picking georgia's player nick chubb has had a better college career than derrick henry yeah, and to me, I mean, and this isn't to discount Alabama necessarily. I, you know, that, that might be my favorite thing in the world to do, but they they aren't RBU, dude. Not not in my opinion. Um, I mean, I would put Wisconsin one, obviously. Georgia's ahead of Alabama to me, um, and there may be some other schools there. You know, I'm not going to go too far into detail. We're not talking about we're not the segment is talking about Alabama because neither one of us chose them, but they just I don't know how they made the top of this list. No, and I want to talk about also Miami being what top five. I mean, they were number five. Yeah, they, they were strong in the early two thousands, guys. Like like the ESPN list: Edron James, Willis McGahee, Clinton Portis, Frank Gore. But after that, I mean, Brandon, can you name an elite Miami running back in the last ten years? No, no, cannot. 
So how unless so you ask we me not... like week one of the podcast, then then I would probably tell you the running back from last year because he uh, <laughs> he kind of he kind of did me dirty. But yeah, that, that's I mean, beside the point. So are we not taking into account the entire time? Because Georgia, Alabama, Wisconsin has a player in all you know almost every three four years that deserves to be on this list. So yeah. how is my and, and let's just go LSU is up there too and LSU has good running backs throughout you know this era. I mean if you if, including Leonard Fournette, Darius Geis and I mean come on man that's just Kevin uh, Falk, Jacob yeah. Hester. Yeah. Yeah, pretty keep good. Keep going. Uh we can keep going all day I with could. these. So all day. So so you see the the trend here is Wisconsin, Alabama, Georgia, LSU. You can just keep going naming elite running backs. Miami, you have to stop around 2005. Yeah, so that, I don't think they de- I don't think they deserve to be on this list at all. Personally, yeah. I mean it's just because there are schools at, at the bottom like Pitt. Pitt had a more consistent running back stable than Miami did throughout. If we're looking at the whole BCS era. They did. That's that's an understatement. They for sure did. Yeah, I mean, so I, I don't. I just don't see Alabama or Miami deserving of where they were ranked on this list. And I, I, the reason that we were so excited for this segment is how did Georgia not make the list, guys? That is that is the sole storyline. We can change this, you know, question for this debate topic from who is which school is RBU to where is Georgia ESPN because we need answers. I need to see the stats. I need to see the results. Where was Georgia? Were they 11th, 12th? Like, I need to know what happened. Did you forget to put them on there? Did you forget to include them in the data set? I mean, I, I just I need to see this equation, man, because this is one heck of an equation. Yeah, they they had an intern who uh, who, who worked for Georgia Tech, and he was just like, yeah, we can't we can't have Georgia on here. You know, that's not out the realm of possibility if we're being in all honest here. <laughs> Uh, Georgia Tech's a great school, guys. I'm I'm just saying. But we're going to go ahead move on to a, the next topic. You guys have been voting just out of y'all's mind right now. Uh, hopefully, y'all don't piss Brandon off again. But um, we provided you guys with some March Sadness brackets, you know, due to the cancellation of March Madness. Already, you guys have claimed uh, 01 Miami Hurricanes. It's the greatest college football team of all time. Brandon had a stroke. Um, but then to add on, to give him a heart attack on top of that, you guys voted Bo Jackson from Auburn, the greatest college football player of all time. But now voting is winding down for the greatest college football coach of all time. And today, as this episode is released, the voting will be ending and either Nick Saban or Paul Bear Bryant will be crowned the greatest college football coach of all time. So it's time to give you, you guys, our opinion, uh, this time we released it as the poll was ending, so we really can't sway y'all's votes here. Um, but, Brandon, who do you consider the greatest college football coach of all time and why? Um, I'm gonna, it, it hurts. I'm going to have to go with Nick Saban. Uh, and I don't know how you don't. I don't know how you don't go with this coach. Uh, Nick Saban has had one of the most incredible coaching careers he has had the most incredible coaching career of anyone who's ever coached college football, anyone who's ever stepped on that field. Um, and it's not close, you know, and, and I'll be honest, guys, if, if you disappoint me here, because this is just the Bammers, the Bammers are the only ones here uh, that have anything to prove. And I don't know if they're going to try to go with like their heritage or whatever. It, I mean, 
Zach, you and I both grew up in uh, South Alabama. And I know that you remember that phase in like the late 2000s where girls just wore houndstooth like it was their religion. I mean, you remember that, right? I hated every second of it. Yeah, it was the worst. It was disgusting. Um, but they loved some Paul Bear Bryant. And that was when Nick Saban was the head coach of Crimson Tide. Uh, that was even after he won his first national championship there in 2009. Uh, anyway, this that, that's beside the point. Um, don't vote for Bear Bryant, guys. If you disappoint me again and you vote – Bear Bryant, I understand that we put him at number two on the list. And I don't know why, you know, looking back at it, because I don't vote on these polls. But if I did, uh, not he didn't get my vote. He would not have gotten my vote in the Final Four. Bobby Bowden deserved it a million times more than Paul Bear Bryant, but that's a whole different discussion. Don't disappoint me here, guys. Pick Nick Saban. Do the right thing. And that that hurt my throat to say. Um, Nick Saban, overall, I mean, let's just talk about his record. Since he has been coaching college football, has only lost 65 football games. 65, Zach. That's, that's compared to the 248 that he's won. Over 314 games. And he has lost only 65 of those. He has a 79% winning percentage. He is 15 and 10 in bowl games, which not terrible by any means. You know, I, I, I think mean, 15 and 10. I mean, Bear Bryant was 15 and 12 and two. Yeah, I mean, if we're if we're just looking at sheer numbers, you have to go with Bear Bryant. That's over his 24 year career, which shocking to me, by the way. He coached at Toledo. Didn't know that. That's that's good to know. Um, you didn't but, know I mean, he five Toledo? Years, no, didn't, no idea. <laughs> Fair enough. No idea. Uh, is Toledo real? No one knows. We'll, we'll figure it out next episode. He went nine and two there. This guy. Yeah, in, in the anyway. one in the one season, he he was the co-champion of the MAC. What a what a what a year for Nick Saban. He co- he was their head coach in 1990, and then just didn't have another head coaching gig until '95. Well, he went to the Browns. The, People forget. People do forget that he went to the Browns. He also went to Miami after LSU and pledged that he would never coach at the University of Alabama, yet here we are. I mean, do you know who the head coach of the Browns that hired him was, right? Yeah, it was Bill Belichick. I know that. Yeah. I, I watched I, the I don't think, documentary. <laughs> I don't think you could turn that down. Like, you're at, you're at Toledo and Bill Belichick comes and asks you to get a job? Like, I'm taking it in a heartbeat. That's yeah, pretty sick. Uh, his second stint in the NFL didn't go as well. But, yeah. He, That's another story. <laughs> That's we're not the story. About, we're not, hang on, we're time out. We're going down that hum out. Hang on, hang on. Is we're, we're talking what ifs next segment. This is this this is relevant. The biggest what if is if the owner of the Miami Dolphins doesn't tell Nick Saban that he's stupid for wanting to sign Drew Brees because Drew Brees and the Dolphins were about to agree on a contract because that's who Saban wanted. And the owner decided to sign Dante Culpepper over Drew Brees, which led Drew Brees to go to the Saints. So the Dolphins technically should have got Drew Brees with Nick Saban as their head coach. And we're talking about multiple Super Bowls for the Dolphins rather than the Super Bowl for the Saints. But continue. My bad. That was a whole rant. You guys don't know this. I'm a Dolphins fan. That is the that's my biggest nightmare is that that happened. Who looks at the tape and says, you know what? Dante Culpepper over Drew Brees. Get out of here. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm going to leave it at that, actually. Uh, my, my final my concluding uh, argument for not argument, argument my concluding words on this segment are uh, just going to be who that don't disappoint me.
I'll, I want y'all to disappoint them. Um, I'm also going with Nick Saban. Uh, you know, I've said for, I don't even know, probably since 15, 2015, that Nick Saban is the greatest head coach of all time. I mean, to see what he's done at Alabama after seeing where Alabama was right before he took over the job. I mean, people forget how dark the Mike Shula days really were for Alabama. I mean, they weren't getting recruits. They weren't getting fans in the seats. I mean, there was no hope. And Nick Saban comes in, takes the, takes it on the chin from Louisiana Monroe, and then he goes on to win multiple national championships. And, yeah. you know, and if it wasn't for Dabo Sweeney building up a powerhouse at Clemson, I mean, Nick Saban has, what, what is it, eight national champion, championships? Uh, Bear Bryant has seven, but listen, guys. We're not comparing stats here, and here's why. Uh, Bear Bryant didn't have any scholarship limits. Yeah. Uh, so Bear Bryant could just take everybody else away from, you know, the. I mean, he could take all the best recruits and just hoard them to himself. Nick Saban only has, what is it, 25 scholarships every year for the new recruiting class? Right. Bear Bryant had unlimited. So I think that automatically disqualifies him. I mean – Brandy, we've seen the Alabama recruiting dominance. How bad would it be if there was no scholarship limits? Oh, it'd be tough. It would it, be it would be miserable for me. Yeah, because he would take all the players from Alabama, LSU, Florida, Georgia, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and Alabama would have a roster of two hundred of the best athletes in the country, and they'd win the Olympics every year in whatever you wanted to. It would be. It would be ridiculous. It would be the greatest collections of the collection of athletes we've ever seen. Um, you know, Bear Bryant, he went, he he coached at multiple he Maryland, Kentucky, AM, and Alabama. That's great. Uh, that's that's fine. But at and you know, he only coached one season at Maryland, six and two. That that's great. And you know, the he did win a national championship with Kentucky outrageous in my opinion, but you know, the NCAA actually doesn't recognize that national championship that a lot of people don't know. Um, so really a truly bear Bryant only has six. Uh, yeah. so it is Todd. Nick Saban is going to win another one. I'm just here to say, uh, Brandon, you're an LSU fan. I'm an Auburn fan. Nick Saban's winning another one. And as yeah. sad as it is, he is going to win another one. And, you know, we're going to get into it uh, in the next segment. But if Nick Saban, like, stays at LSU, I mean, he wins multiple championships at LSU. I mean, the team that he left behind when he took the Dolphins job was stacked with, in a, with, with just pure talent, guys. I mean – People always point at his Alabama dynasty. His LSU dynasty was just as impressive. Oh if, my gosh. If you he go- was only there for five years. He was there for five seasons. And in those five seasons, I mean, he went he I mean his best uh his best seasons, I mean, were ten and three, thirteen and one, and twelve I mean, I'm sorry, and nine and three. I mean, between those he went eight and five, eight and four at LSU. Um I mean, imagine if he would have stayed there. I mean, like you said, he won that national championship with LSU um, in 2003. And then there's a reason 
there is a reason that LSU won uh, the national championship in 07. And I, you know, as much as I want to give that to Les Miles, I don't, I don't know that I truly can. There was a good, there yeah. was some leftover talent that he could build on top of. Um, right. And there was and a culture that he built. That, a, a thousand percent. And, you know, the thing that I think separates Saban from Bear Bryant is just the, pre- I mean, yeah, Bear Bryant had a big presence and everything, but I mean, I, when you when you think back to like old coaches, I mean, there's a section of the country who's like, oh, Joe Paterno was the best coach. Oh, Bobby Bowden was the head coach, was the best head coach. I mean, looking back in history, there's a lot of coaches that just seem to always be in the way. But I mean, I don't think you can ask anyone nowadays who's the best coach in recent history without Nick Saban coming up. There's some delusional Clemson fans that think Dabo Sweeney is better than Nick Saban right now. That no, it ain't happening. Nick Saban number one. All time, it's already outrageous enough that Dabo beat Newt Rockney in the first round. You guys need yeah, to I educate got, yourselves. I got, I got something to say um, because I've already been disappointed, and that's that's why you can't disappoint me again. I've been disappointed two polls in a row. This is the third one. I've already been disappointed, and it has. I mean, we're just now getting around to the championship. You voted Dabo Swinney over Newt Rockney. Do you know who Newt Rockney is? Go back. Look at the tape. Well, well, I don't know if there's tapes, but oh, there's not. He coached. He coached, <laughs> he, he coached 1918 to 1930. Yeah, yeah. Go read a book or something. Educate yourself, and then come. That back could be the problem. Me. That could be the problem. I'm gonna give you. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I can barely read, so uh, <laughs> we know Clemson fans can't. Guys, Newt, yeah. Newt Rockney literally was the coach who specialized in the forward pass. Brandon, how many games do you think Newt Rockney lost in his career? I can't. I, at one point, I did know this. I, I think it was it was very few. He also didn't 12. coach for like a super long time. Twelve games. Yeah, he coached for like twelve he, years though, right? But he won over a hundred games. Yeah, pretty good. That's out outrageous, guys. And he won three national championships too. And yes, this was a different you know time and everything, but. This is ridiculous, guys. I'm twelve losses, and you help popularize like the current football that we watch today. You guys disrespect the elders, and it's ridiculous. Uh, you know, like I said, pick up a book, read, read, go read watch some, <laughs> like do something. Uh, go watch some Herschel Walker Notre- tape while you're at it. <laughs> go, go listen to the Notre Dame fight song, and then come back. Tell me that doesn't fire you up. Let's go. Not even a Notre Dame fan. It fires me up. Dude, you know, sometimes I don't even know if Notre Dame fans know that Newt Rockney coached for them because, like, Lou Holtz went really far in our bracket, but Newt Rockney got knocked out in the first round. <laughs> so stupid. Like, uh, y'all are supporting Lou Holtz? Come on. I love our fans. I don't even think it's the listeners who who did who were to blame for that. You know, no, I we love listeners a lot, but we have <laughs> we have some people who don't listen that we gotta we gotta talk to. I'm going to make like a Facebook post. Yeah, if you don't listen to the podcast, you are you cannot vote anymore. That's it. I'm putting my foot down. How are they going to hear this? How are they going to hear that? <laughs> Fair enough, guys. We're going to move on to another segment here, our third segment of the episode. And this one is going to be really unconventional. I don't think we've done anything like this. But ESPN set the stage, releasing some of the most interesting what-if scenarios from college football history. That, I mean – this ranged from coaching changes that could have, should have, or would have happened to recruiting 
to controversial calls in some of the biggest games. Um, you know, we figured it would be an interesting debate to discuss some of these biggest what ifs and what could have happened and what really should have happened in some of these. We picked three of the biggest, more recent moments. You know, we apparently know y'all don't know y'all's history, so we kept it pretty recent for you guys. And we picked some interesting scenarios that really would have shifted the way college football is as we know it. So, Brandon, I'll start this one off first. We're going to have the one of the bigger questionable what ifs is what if Steve Spurrier actually made the cut to be LSU's head coach before he was offered the role at Florida? Oh my God! Then LSU wouldn't have gone through that dark period known as the 1990s. I guess um, it would have been a much more it was tough time in LSU it history. Was, it was really really tough for you guys there for a while. Yeah, and I hate Florida, and thank God I was born in 96, so I didn't even really have to endure this, but yeah, I don't know if I would have made it out alive, um, but I mean, I mean, look at what he did with Florida, I mean, it was just absurd, you know, he started out at Duke, obviously, well, I say obviously, I hope you guys know that, he started out at Duke, uh, coached at Florida, went on to South Carolina, and then where'd he go? He went to the Orlando Apollos, but we're not here to talk about the AAF right now, we're here to talk about college football, um, but he coached at Florida for 11 years. And over those 11 years, I'd say he did pretty good. How about you, Zach? He made a bowl game every single season. <laughs> his worst season, he won nine games. That was his worst season at Florida. It was a nine-win season. Um, ah, man, if he would have been at LSU, that would have been – You know, I, I mean, obviously – Actually, I'm not even going to – I'm not even going to uh, – I won't even whine about this. If he would have been at LSU, then – LSU probably would have never gotten Nick Saban, which was a pretty high moment for. for I was about to say the same thing because Spurrier didn't leave for the Redskins till two what two thousand and one, and say that word. Yeah, so that (laughs) it's our words. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he didn't he didn't leave till two thousand one, and that would have put him right. You know, they, they would have missed on Nick Saban and. Who knows who they would have hired after that? But, you know, people forget how good C. Sprayer really is as a coach. Like, to be all on, like, he was fifth, he was the 15th seed in our best coaches of all time bracket. And no one, resp- I mean, he had to go up against Paul Bryant, uh, you know, in the first round, a little unfair, but he won six SEC championships and a national title at Florida. Yeah. That's, that, you know, in LSU, um, Suffered eight losing seasons. It was a tough decade. At the same time. I, yeah, it, you know, grunge, grunge was in the 90s, and uh, LSU fans just kept living that. I mean, it was in the early 90s, but LSU fans just lived that until like 2001. I, I, dude. I don't even know where to go with that. No, I, I really don't. But, I mean, LSU probably – LSU gets probably one – because – at the time, I really think LSU had potential, man. I mean, I think Steve Spurrier could have recruited the heck out of Louisiana, and I real, I really do think he would have brought a national championship or more to LSU if he would have actually took that job. Yeah, for sure. You know, it's hard to argue against that. I mean, you look at his track record at Florida during that time. Um, you know, like I said, his worst season was a nine-win season. Uh, it, it, it's just it's crazy. I mean, if you look at the bowl games he went to with Florida, I mean, he went to the Sugar Bowl uh, like five like five different times with Florida. He went to the Citrus Bowl several times, the Fiesta Bowl. Um, 
you know, the Orange Bowl, the Gator Bowl. I mean, he was in big bowl games. It's not like he was just barely making it. I mean, that's what you get with a nine-win season. You know, you have a nine-win season. He had a, he had a, a couple 12-win seasons, an 11-win season, and a ton of 10-win seasons. You know, it's just – if he would have been – I don't even think it's just LSU. I think if he would have been almost anywhere else in the country, especially any other SEC program, he would have done the same things. Imagine if he would have gone to Tennessee at this time with how good they already were. You get Steve Spurrier, Peyton Manning? Yes. Oh, my God. I mean, that's it, you know, you're going to laugh. The other school that passed on Steve Spurrier was Mississippi State. That's that's tough. That's, that that's, that's a tough one. Like, that's that a tough one. Yeah. Yeah, and, you yeah. know, if, if you want to crowd a little bit, some of the other coaches LSU passed up in this coaching search – Oh, you're about to cry, man. Mac Brown. Yeah. That that would have worked. Um, yeah, how about uh Mike Shanahan? Pretty, pretty good coach. Yeah, two two time Super Bowl champion, Mike Shanahan. Yeah, pretty, pretty good. Pretty good, yeah. It's okay. Um, Frank Beamer. Okay. Also really good. I mean, you interview Steve Spurrier, Mike Shanahan, Frank Beamer, and Mac Brown, and you end up hiring Mike Archer. LSU, you really messed this one up. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's in the past. We're not going to talk about it. And the bigger disrespect oh. is as Florida's athletic director came from LSU and was the one trying to get LSU to hire Spurrier, and then was just hired him anyway. Yeah, it's it's a bad time, you know. I, and you know, <laughs> you know what? Before before the podcast, Zach posed this question to me as, "What if Steve Spurrier didn't go to Florida?" Didn't know it was just going to be Brandon. Let's talk about LSU not hiring Steve Spurrier. So I'll be honest, this is really catching me off guard. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, my bad. I, I thought you knew they interviewed him, and it was like the big thing that they passed on Steve Spurrier. But I knew I knew that they interviewed him. I just I didn't realize that this is what the segment was. <laughs> But we'll move, on terms, to, I like it. we'll move on to another one that involves LSU. Um, oh, good. The, sec, the, the second what if is what if USC made the right decision and kept Ed Orgeron as their head coach after his stint as an interim head coach in 2013? Man, oh, man. That would have been something else. And they should have. You know, you know I'm yes, glad he's LSU. Yes. I really am. But good God, they should have kept Coach O. <laughs> that was what a mistake. Um, you know, obviously he only had the one season at USC in 2013. Um, he ended. He finished the season out six and two, which, by the way, is the same record he had when he had to finish out the season at LSU in 2016. Um, I mean, but before that, I mean, you know, you know, he's a good coach now, and you probably knew he was a good coach then by what he did, but. His track record before that wasn't great, Zach. I mean, with Ole Miss, I mean, what do we see out of him? We saw two three-win seasons and a four-win season, and then he was fired, you know? Uh, and that's why he went on to be co- a coordinator after that. You know, he wasn't—he was no longer a head coach. Um, and, and obviously, coaches grow, and uh, and and just as people do. Um, and I think that's what happened. I think there was a serious period of growth for Coach Orgeron. Uh, between that, between his firing in 07 or after the 07 season, um, and in 2013 when he took over at USC as the interim head coach, 
Um, and they didn't keep him, you know, all, you know, that, that's not really out of the, out of the usual. Um, most of the time when you hire an interim coach, that's just what they are. They're an interim and, and you can go talk to just take your choice of LSU fans in 20 in 2016, when he was the interim there and ask them who wanted to keep coach O as their head coach long-term. And you would have gotten like, at least 65% of people saying, no, no way. I want a new head coach. I want to go look for somebody else. But LSU ended up keeping him, and look where, they, look where they're at now. They went 15-0 this past season, won a national championship. And you can't give all the credit to him, but I think you have to give some of it to him. Uh, just the, the culture that, that he's created here in Baton Rouge. But if he would have stayed at USC, I really think that with the talent with the type of recruits that USC has been reeling in, you know, except for this past season, this past recruiting cycle with Clay Helton uh, as the iffy head coach. Um, man, there is some serious talent coming out of Southern California. And I really think with the type of recruiter he is, he could have taken full advantage of that. And USC would be scary good right now. A, th- a thousand percent. I mean, if, if you look back, I mean, you say like Orgeron's, I guess pass wasn't great, but, that USC team was really, really struggling. And, you know, when Lane Kiffin got fired and Ordron stepped in, Ordron led that team to a six and two, you know, final record, like record under him. And they beat the fourth ranked Stanford team at that time who was under Harbaugh, I believe. Or no, it might have been under Shaw at that point, but they beat a Stanford team that was really good. They were top four in the country. And yeah. if you remember, like they stormed the field, they were interviewing Ordron. He said he wanted to be there forever. And, you know, he, he said he had an uneasy feeling after he was let go that, that, that he was just a stopgap. And it came out later that they only let him go because he didn't represent the USC, I guess, culture, or the USC values. And I think that was just disappointing, if you ask me. I mean, Coach Ed Ordron deserved. For me, he deserved that job, and it was politics that sent him out. And really and truly, USC got what they deserved. I mean, they hired, I believe it was Steve Sarkeesian uh, right after, and he didn't make it. And then they hired Clay Hilton, and look where that got him. Not bad last season, but, you know, obviously there, there's repercussions. Yeah, and I mean... And look at, go look at the recruiting <laughs> class right now if you don't believe me that there's repercussions. Exactly. Exactly, and look and look at LSU's recruiting class. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, because think of, if you think about it, I mean, if you put Ed Orgeron at USC, uh, in case you guys don't remember, you know, do you remember where Tua Tagovailoa wanted to go? Coming yeah. out of high school, yep. USC. I would bet money. I'd bet this entire podcast that Tua Tagovailoa would be a USC Trojan if Co- if Coach Orgeron was at USC. Yeah, honestly, you know, and if Coach O wasn't at LSU this past season, you know who wouldn't have been there? Joe Burrow wouldn't have been there, and and Joe Brady wouldn't have been there, and this team, I mean, LSU wouldn't be where they are right now if it wasn't for Coach O, and, and that's not to say, hey, he's the greatest college football coach, you know, by any means, or even close to the greatest of all time or whatever, but he is one great coach and that USC really missed uh, out on. 
Okay, I'm not going to lie. Okay, so this is my conspiracy theory, guys. It's probably, it may or may not be true. I personally think Dave Aranda would be the head coach of LSU right now if Coach Ed Orgeron stayed at USC. <laughs> he seriously might be. Um, I, I think he, I think you know, he would. I was, think that was, yeah. I mean, I don't see how you argue against that. It makes a lot of sense. Because I think they would give him the job over Emzinger or any of the, the – the offense was struggling so bad. How could you justify giving the offensive coordinator or any of the offensive coaches a job? Dave Arenda was is the hottest name, you know, in, I guess, the defensive coaching. So why wouldn't you give Aranda the job? And I think another really good name, I actually think, like, Kevin Steele would have been an option too. Because Kevin still had ties, and he was only in his first year as Auburn's defensive coordinator after leaving LSU. They could have reached back out to him. Um, so I think Aranda and Steele could have been really big options here for LSU if this would have turned out differently. Because they really gave Ordron the shot because of his head coaching experience. But, yeah, you know, if he's at USC, I mean, I don't think he's leaving USC for like LSU right off the bat. So especially if he's having success, and I think it would have changed the trajectory for almost everybody because if you remember, I mean, Tua, Tua changed the culture at Alabama about what that quarterback, what a quarterback should be. And I don't think they reached the heights they, they did with Tua if they, you know, didn't have, because if you look at it, they would have lost the national championship to Georgia. Jalen Hurts would have had to stay in. So they yeah. lose that game and that, that affects Saban's legacy. And I mean, that I think this, what if scenario has some of the far-reaching effects. I mean, because if you remember, USC hired Steve Sarkeesian for Washington, which allowed the Washington to hire Chris Peterson, who eventually led them to to the playoffs. Right, right. And so it, it had far-reaching effects for Washington. USC, Tua, which led to Alabama, which back to LSU, which back to Georgia. It, uh, how are we looking at Georgia if Kirby Smart wins the national championship in his first year? Oh man, with a true freshman Ooh. quarterback? Yeah, yeah, it, man. Or, or I guess <laughs> his 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 second year with a true freshman quarterback. I mean, come on, man. I mean, Kirby Smart becomes the hottest coach, you know, in in the country, even over Dabo Sweeney. I mean, I think that this would have been one of the biggest things, and it's a shame that USC allowed politics to get in the way, just because of the way Orgeron looks talks whatever it may have been and i think it's the way he talks because you know people in california could not have underst- understood him when he talks <laughs> but uh, it's it, it is in, a shame I'm though in, in louisiana they run like subtitles underneath when he when he speaks sometimes so if really? you do that in louisiana yeah it's <laughs> you shouldn't have to do that it really i think it offends some people um it offends me i know that <laughs> that adds it's, yeah, that's it's, it's tough ridiculous. Um, if you know, you, if you live here, you should know. You should know. Yeah, you should. You should be able to understand them. But we're gonna we got one more scenario for you guys. This one is so is really really recent, and it's what if Justin Fields would have stuck with his commitment to Penn State over Georgia in 2018? Man, <laughs> I like I like these what ifs. Um, uh, man, uh, first of all, Penn State legitimately might have won the national championship a thousand percent a thousand percent last season could you imagine this penn state team from last year with the defense they had with with uh kj hamler 
catching passes from Justin Fields. Oh my god! In his second season there, oh, that is, oh, that's crazy, uh, man. And uh, that's just looking at the direct effects. I mean, there's obviously indirect effects that, yeah, I just could, there's no way I could ever process those. But the direct effects would be Penn State is in the college football playoff and might have a national championship right now. Yeah, I mean that. Also, I just want to throw this out. At did you know? Uh, do you know what school offered uh, Justin Fields like first? No. Harvard. I should. Harvard. Yeah, they, they were out on top. Of Harvard. Them, you know. Yeah, they were ready, bro. And I mean, people forget he uh, Fields was the number one ranked recruit in the 2018 class. This was over Trevor Lawrence. Oh my gosh. That's crazy. Yeah, so like Justin Fields was, uh, you know, one of the, the top recruit of this class, and I mean, Penn, he committed to Penn State, and you know, he didn't have a lot of offers at the times, and you know, once he started gaining more, you know, I guess traction or more interest, he decommitted, and you know, he really narrowed down to Georgia, Florida, Auburn, Florida State, USC, and. You know, he ended up going to Georgia. I think he regretted it. I think it was more of like a hometown thing. I mean, the kid, I mean, he's from Georgia, guys. I mean, he's right outside of Atlanta. So it's right there. And I agree with Brandon. I think Penn State wins the national championship. I, and, you know, oh, this yeah. might sound crazy. This might sound crazy, Brandon. I think they're in, I think they make back to back. Really? I think, I like, think Penn like State. Too? No, I think Penn State would have made it in set in, uh, 18. As a freshman, yes, I do. Because this year, I I think they would have made it, but I think they would have lost to LSU. I think LSU just had it made. I mean, it would have probably. I think it would have been a closer game. I mean, I really think that Penn State defense had an argument to be the best one in the country last season. I mean, Micah Parsons is easily probably the best defensive player in the country for this upcoming year, and. I mean, we real deal could be talking about Penn State making that. I think Penn State would be the favorite to make the national championship this year. Yeah, Justin Fields see, is coming I mean, back. Oh, man, it's just, the, it, you know, and one thing I do know for certain, if nothing else, is that uh, if they didn't make the, the college football playoff, um, if they didn't, I mean, you know, even if they even if they lost one uh fewer game that one fewer game they would have lost was to Michigan I don't think there's any chance that 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 Justin Fields only puts up seven points against Michigan this year no it, it, that, that game was out, out of the question okay so I don't think you uh, so I know a lot of our listeners probably doesn't understand this I just wanted to clarify one thing I I think the reason I think they make it his freshman year Brandon do you remember who they had it uh, would have been I Justin mean, Fields and Saquon Barkley Oh yeah, yep, 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 yep. Are you? Yep. Oh. <laughs> and then, and then your Wildcat quarterback is Trace McSorley, who who actually was the starting quarterback for Penn State. Busted wild, bro. It, it's not even funny. I mean, Penn State was really good in seventeen. I mean, people forget they were what number two in the country when they played Ohio State in two thousand seventeen. Yeah, yeah. I mean. That game might have been extremely, extremely different, guys. Um, you know, it 
it came down to a one point game. And I'm telling I'll be the first one to say if Justin Fields played for Penn State, they win. It was they were number two in the country, guys. I think Penn State had a chance to the national title. Yes, that Clemson team, outrageous. But Penn State can match them up with Justin Fields. I'm sorry. And for Ohio State, uh, I don't know, man. I mean, based on their roster, their quarterback would have either been like, uh, I think it was Gunnar Hoke would be probably their top option as a quarterback. And I, I don't think that would have turned out the same. I don't think they're making the championship this year. I really don't. They're not making the playoffs this year. And I think that's replaced by Penn State. Uh, yeah. And, you know, could they be at Clemson this year? I think they probably could have. And I just, if LSU wasn't so good, I mean, we could be talking about Penn State making multiple national championships. And because, you know, I think we covered, what was it, Brandon, an episode or two ago about how good James Franklin really is at coaching football. Yeah, pretty good coach. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, and so. people forget. People forget. So you got an elite coach, you got an elite quarterback, you got Saquon Barkley. Like that's that's it. That's all you need. And then you got Micah Parsons on the defensive end. You got Gator uh, Gross uh, Matos at defensive end. And you got you got all these elite players at every position. And then you got to have teams have to come play in that whiteout at, at Happy Valley. It, it's it's a wrap, guys. Penn State would have been legit. And for Georgia, if they don't get Justin Fields, uh, you know. It, I think, would Jake Fromm have the pressure? Like, would they have to go get a transfer just in case behind Jake Fromm? Because they really didn't have a deep quarterback room outside of Fields and Fromm. No, not at all. And that's why they had to go get a graduate transfer this year. So, and I think this is the funniest thing to think about. So, if Justin Fields doesn't transfer to Ohio State. Do you know also know who transferred because of his transfer to Ohio State? Who? Tate Martell. Does Tate, <laughs> okay. does, does Tate Martell stick at Ohio State and actually get a chance to play? He may, man. I, I, he may. So Gunnar Hoke or Tate Martell leading Ohio State this year, Brandon? I mean, are you putting money on them? I don't know. I think yeah, it might have yeah, saved yeah. Jim Harbaugh's job. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, that was, that was mean. Jim Harbaugh is wishing this could be a thing, but guys, we're gonna move on to our last segment of the day, and it's another draft segment. It's coming real, real fast. But last episode, we covered one of the more controversial mock drafts of the season. I would say uh, a ridiculous eight wide receivers were taken in the first round of this mock draft, and. This led Brandon out a question. How many wide receivers in this year's draft class really have a first round grade in our opinion? Um, I think there are five star wide receivers headed by Judy and CD Lamb that seem to be consensus first round picks by most experts. But what about the other three, five wide receivers that have also appeared in various mock drafts? So Brandon, how many wide receivers in this year's class would you actually be willing to spend a first round pick on? And which wide receivers are just a- absolutely overrated? Oh man, that, that is, it, it's tough because you know, obviously, we sat here this past episode and just trashed, <laughs> trashed that he had eight wide receivers in his first round. Um, honestly, I can see arguments where they all have first round talent, but with the way the draft shapes out, 
you can't – I mean, there's not enough teams that need a wide receiver that desperately. They're going to spend a first-round pick on it. You know, there's other things they need. Um, so, obviously, I mean, let's go ahead and start out with, with who I think is the best wide receiver in the draft, Jerry Judy. He's going first round. No debate about it. Let's move on. C.D. Lamb, Zach, I, we all know how you feel about him, but I think that he deserves a first-round pick, and I think he will be taking the first round. Um, beyond that, I mean, we have Henry Ruggs, uh, Justin Jefferson, and T. Higgins, and that might be where I draw my line, uh, and that's if T. Higgins gets taken instead of uh, uh, LaVisca Chenault, um, who is just getting – insane draft grades out of Colorado. So uh, to me, I, I think that realistically five wide receivers get taken in the first round. Um, now, how many, you know, and that, that could obviously uh, shift a little bit, but I, 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 I'm going to stick with it. I, I think five wide receivers get taken. Uh, I mean, so I, I can see the argument, like I said last episode about eight maybe being taken if people panic and they're gonna reach but uh personally it's okay so let me let me let me ask you a question brandon is it my opinion or is it the five receivers that i know someone is gonna take in the first round uh well to me it sounds like you have some insider knowledge so what's up Okay, no, no, I'm just asking because I don't think C.D. Lamb is worth a first-round pick, but he's going to be taken. He's going to be taken. Go ahead and, I mean, realistically, how many wide receivers do you think are taken? Uh, I think it's about six. I mean, I think I know, I think Judy, C.D. Lamb, Henry Ruggs, and Justin Jefferson are surefire first-round picks. But yeah. I think it's going to be five. I'm going to go with five. That was be, that's going to be my... That's going to be my number, and the reason I say five is because I'm not sure about these later rounds. Like, because T. Higgins, I can see being one, but I can also see Denzel Mims out of Baylor being one. Um, right. But I don't know if they're both going to be taken because some mock drafts, I, I like from what I've been reading, a lot of teams are iffy on Higgins, and a lot of teams are either really high or really low on Mims. Um. And I can see it because both of them, well, I think Higgins, I think a lot of teams are scared that he's just, look, he looks better than he is because of his quarterback and the offense he plays in. I mean, we can't deny that Trevor Lawrence is a generational talent. Uh, I think we all on this podcast, me, Brandon, all our listeners out there can agree Trevor Lawrence is a generational talent. And, yeah. you know, can he transfer that to a team like, I, th- I believe Clatt had him going to the Eagles. Can he transfer that to Carson Wentz? Because personally, I, I don't, I don't, I think Trevor Lawrence is a lot better than Carson Wentz. And then Mims, yeah. you are, you are in a pass heavy offense that in a conference that doesn't have a lot of defensive backs that are very good. So can this transfer to, you know, c- can this transfer to the NFL when every team you play has a, almost a star corner? Um, or a star safety, some something back there is going to stop you from catching the ball. So I can see why some of these guys are iffy. And one guy that I, I personally think has a is a first round talent, but won't get drafted is KJ Hamler. It's disrespectful that some of these other receivers. I mean, you're telling me just to my face that Brandon Ayuk from Arizona State is better than KJ Hamler? 
it's pretty good, but no. It's it's not even close, right? I mean, and you're telling me LaVisca Chenault from Colorado is better than KJ Hamler? To me, this is and look, it's not the same exact thing, but this is one of those I'm gonna compare it to the Jordan Love argument for the reason why he's going so high. It's the same reason that everyone has LaVisca Chenault going so high. I mean, look at this guy's stats, first of all. This is a whole different tangent, by the way. Uh, but I mean, only 764 yards and four touchdowns this past season. Get out. I mean, I get 764 yards. That's a ton, but get out. You know, there's no reason that should be first round talent. I think that there's a good chance he is taken in the first round, but I don't know. I don't know. I don't well, know. I get that he's so, been injured. I get he's been injured, so, but whatever. Yeah. He, he has injury history, but you know, I, I actually was just thinking I'm going to stick with my mock draft. I'm going to go with, I had six being taken. I want to go with six. I don't know why I would go against my mock draft. I'm going with six, but I really wish that KJ Hamler would be taken, man. I I personally think KJ Hamler will last longer in the NFL than CD Lamb. Oh, well, <laughs> I guess, I mean, they're, they're two different kinds of receivers too, though. I, I mean, and yeah, yeah. One, one, one played in a real conference and has a future and the other one played in a BS conference and will be out that within is, three years. That is just not what I was talking about at all. What I was talking about <laughs> is that one's, one, one's a slot receiver, but I, if you want to take that angle, that's fine. Let's do that. Um, oh, man, this, uh, is, this is nuts. A I real mean, conference. Uh, that, that is disrespectful. Can you name – okay. So let, let's just go through here. Let, let's just use Klatt's mock draft. Let's just use anyone's mock draft. How many secondary defenders are being taken by the from the Big 12? Uh, none. Because there's no defense. Yeah. How like how many? Okay. Let, you know what? Let's not even close it down that much. How many defensive players, any position on defense, is being taken from the Big Twelve? Uh, this is this is rude right now. If anyone one. from the Big Twelve was listening, we're sorry. One, Brandon. I'll go ahead and answer for it. It's one, and it's Kenneth Murray on the yeah, same team sense. as C.D. Lamb. So it doesn't even matter. He didn't even have to play against Kenneth Murray. <laughs> okay. He, Whatever. D- it's fine. And you look at K.J. Hamler, there's two players being taken in the top three that he had to go against. Oh, my God. Yeah, the, fair. Two in the top three. <laughs> I get what you're saying. You sound so angry right now. What's going on? I am. <laughs> I am so angry because everyone's so high on this kid. I don't understand why they're high on him. I, I, I've watched the film. Yes, he's so explosive, but he's playing against kids that would not start on other teams of the secondary. They're standing flat-footed yeah. playing press coverage on him when they know they can't stop him. Yeah, fair. And then half the time, half his highlights are Jalen Hurts rolling out of the pocket, holding the ball for 15 seconds, and the defenders are passing out because they're playing in Oklahoma in August, and the play's lasting way longer than it should, and C.D. Lamps just running around in circles. Yeah. I just, I, I, I can't get behind it, man. I don't think he's going to make it. Uh, you know, and this is no disrespect to him. I'm, like, I know I sound upset. Like, I'll hope for the best. Like, if C.D. Lamb makes it, that's great. I'll eat my words. But I just don't think he's worth a top 12 pick. And there's teams that apparently I've read I've read some insiders saying that some teams have, like, a top five grade on him. Are you kidding me? Top five? Come on. 
I mean, I've seen, a lot of, I've seen a lot of outlets say that he's the top receiver in the draft, and that's absurd. I get that he's no. good. You know, I don't, no. I mean, I, I think I had him as second on my list, but you can't do that to Jerry Judy. Don't do that to Jerry Judy right now. No, nah, man. That's, some of the uh, guys, I, this bad radio again, if you have internet service, please just look up some of the, like, just highlights of Jerry Judy running routes. His route running is so pristine, so flawless, so controlled. Just he is the best route runner I've seen in multiple drafts. It is something beautiful to watch. And to me, he's a better route runner than CD Lamb. He is more reliable than CD Lamb. He's a better blocker than CD Lamb, more physical than CD Lamb. And I think he's just he's an all around better wide receiver. The only thing CD Lamb has on him is straight line speed. But guess what, guys? Straight line speed does not matter. It is all about the quickness and agility. And Jerry Judy can hang with CD Lamb any day of the week. Right, right, for sure. And, and, and you know, I, I just I, the last thing before we wrap this episode up, it's it's ridiculous that Justin Jefferson isn't getting more respect. Okay, oh. Preach, dude. Go ahead. I like this. No, go, like you're the LSU fan. You can add on after, but Justin. I mean, Justin Jefferson looks like an all-around better wide receiver than CD Lamb. It's my like hatred. Uh, not hatred. My like take on CD Lamb isn't because I think CD Lamb is trash. I think it's more there are some elite wide receivers in this class. I mean, Jerry Judy has gener- has generational talent in my opinion. I think he has potential if everything comes together to be a hall of fame wide receiver one day i think henry yeah. ruggs is outstanding and henry ruggs and cd lamb are very similar because they're both deep fast explosive threats henry ruggs is more physical he's a better blocker he's a more pristine clean route runner I, henry ruggs is all around better wide receiver than cd lamb justin jefferson is elite justin jefferson yes might not have been the best wide receiver at his school, but that's not fair because Jamar Chase, if he came out in this draft, would be the number two wide receiver in this class, right behind Jerry right. Judy. And there's an argument that Jamar Chase can be equal to Jerry Judy because Jamar Chase is elite as well. And, you know, you go past Justin Jefferson. I Personally, okay, just my take on it is I think Denzel Mims and – um and KJ Hamler are both better wide receivers than CD Lamb. And that it's due to just multiple things I just talked about. I think Denzel Mims is bigger, more explosive, and stronger than CD Lamb. And I I really think KJ Hamler has and has the all around package. For me, I, I really don't see why people are overlooking him. But I'll let you talk more about Justin Jefferson because you pretty much studied this kid i would say because since you're an lsu fan but based on film that i see justin jefferson checks every box for me and i don't understand why he's being disrespected there's no reason he should be um I, you know and the only reason i think he may be is because you know he didn't coming into this season i don't even know if he was you know supposed to be drafted no he, he, he was, was a junior I, I think he had a fourth round grade last year i, I believe Right. I mean, he, he's a junior this past season. Um, he ends up going to the draft. Uh, and, you know, for a good reason. He's going to be a first-round pick, obviously. Um, but, I mean, there were people all over the place saying, oh, he's coming back for his fourth year. And as much as I wish that were true, I mean, this kid needs to go make his money. Um, I mean, but if you just want to look at stats alone, I mean, this past season, 1,540 yards, and he was not the top wide receiver on his own team. 
That's insane. <laughs> you know, he was splitting catches uh, with Jamar Chase. You know, I mean, and, and I the only other wide receiver you could give that type of credit to is Jerry Judy because he's splitting uh, catches with, with Henry Ruggs and with Jalen Waddell and with every other – I mean, Devontae Smith. I mean, every single other wide receiver, just the, the – uh, just whatever whatever you want to call it. Well, Alabama has a million wide receivers and a million good ones at that. Um, but, but I mean, Justin Jefferson's sharing catches too. He's sharing catches with uh, with Jamar Chase, with Terrace Marshall Jr. I mean, I mean, you can name with Thad Moss. Um, and he still comes out with 1,540 yards this past season. And is it because Joe Burrow's passing to him? Maybe. But you can't give all the credit to Joe Burrow here. You can't even give all the credit to uh, Steven Sminger. You can't give it to Joe Brady. I mean, you have to give Justin Jefferson some credit at some point because 1,540 yards doesn't just happen because you have a good coach or because you have a good quarterback. It, it happens because you are bur- – I mean, you're burning cornerbacks. You're burning safeties. Zach, I sent you a highlight, I, I think I think it may have been today, of just – I mean, we saw yeah, some it was. footwork. It was on Twitter. This is bad. This is this is bad radio too, but I mean, it, and I'll, you know, maybe we'll post it to us. But um, just crazy footwork by Justin Jefferson uh, in the national championship game. Just an up close view. Um, the kid's good. Now, nah, what else can I say? He had 18 touchdowns this season. The kid's good. Severely underrated. I just want to say this. Uh, you know, we're talking about Judy Henry Ruggs, Justin Jefferson. Um, how many defensive players uh, are being taken from the SEC every year, Brandon? A million. A million. And that might that might be an understatement, right? Yeah, it's ridiculous. I mean, there's five in the top eighteen of class mock draft. Right. Well, granted, a lot of those are at LSU, but yeah, I mean, it still makes sense. And and there's eight in the first round. There's as many SEC defensive players as there are total wide receivers. Right. That's crazy. That's 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 really really tough, guys. And this is why I do think that the conference you play in and the talent you play against matters. People, I don't know, I don't know why people forget this. Every player on every NFL team was most likely one of the best players on their college team. Yeah, like they're absolutely. they're not playing against, they're not playing against kids who set the bench in college guys. These are the best of the best players. I mean, and I just think I really do think that the Big 12 is a weaker conference for defense and that's why a lot of these players that come out of the Big 12, I mean, Brandon, how many busts at quarterback have we seen out of the Big 12? Uh, a few. <laughs> you can't can't even count them on your hands and 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 really and truly you don't i i I personally do not think i mean kyler murray had a great year don't get me wrong he he had a great first year but i want to see what happens next baker mayfield had a real good first year and we saw what happened with him and you know on that note guys we're going to end this episode over an hour content again i still don't know how we're doing it um Guys, check out the podcast wherever you listen. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Follow our, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Big things on the way there. It just search the Blue Bloods. It, we we are on there. You'll find our most recent episodes, interviews, etc. Uh, website thebluebloodspod.com. Big things coming there. 
let's just say you guys are going to want to stay tuned on social media as well to figure out about these big announcements. Instagram at the underscore blue bloods, Twitter at the underscore underscore blue bloods, Facebook at the blue bloods pod. Follow us on all three of those to get the biggest announcements. And then you'll need to go to our website to do some more stuff. Announcements coming soon, guys. But uh, episode next week, big things in the work for the draft. We'll also get in touch with y'all on that. But until then, guys, we out.